Welcome to That Bleeping Podcast, the podcast wherein four academicals uh, talk about, I don't know, pop culture-y things, but mostly uh, Degrassi, the next generation. Uh, spoiler alert, we talk about full episodes, sailor alert, we swear, and something else. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. All episodes of Degrassi, The Next Generation, are available for free on YouTube. And they're mm-hmm. each 22 minutes, so if you want to watch along with us, yeah. it's easy to watch. Yeah, Canada loves us. Uh, uh, I'm Tiffany. Uh, I teach uh, in English and soon in also in rhetoric, film, and screen studies uh, at Bates College. And... Uh, teach fun media and pop culture and nerdy things. <laughs> Jacinta. <laughs> I'm Jacinta. Hi. I, uh, <laughs> I teach uh, English broadly construed, um, which includes writing, uh, film, digital media, etc., I'm the newest doctor on the block in this podcast. Yay! I'm Sonic Gabbard. I teach in the Department of Women's and Gender Studies and Peace and Conflict Studies at DePaul University in Chicago, Illinois. I'm Brendan. I teach in an English program in the Humanities Department at Central State University, and I teach composition, literature, and gender studies classes. So we we uh, we took a little break, a little two year, little two year break uh, to I don't know finish important things like we were talking about. What have you been up to? And move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we moved. Uh, all of us basically. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple yeah. times. And we all went from being graduate students. To well, and new like new jack. Can I start over? Yeah, sorry. Yep, sure. All right, all right. and we all went from being postgraduate and graduate students to junior faculty. Now in the joining the ranks of all of our colleagues, asked to do all the things for very little. Yay! Woo. Is that too negative? It's real. We are in the middle of a crisis. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, part of this is like millions of others, I am sure. We decided, huh, perfect time for a podcast among, uh, you know, all of the uh, worries of uh, going outside these days. Um, And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I've been pretty stable, I think, since we've been doing this. I just, I moved apartments. I moved, uh, out of the country and into the city, uh, much to my, um, mental health, uh, relief. Uh, so that's, that's my update. Cue the Green Acres soundtrack. Wait, no, you're inverted Green Acres. I was, (laughs) uh, you could do like moving on up from the Jeffersons. (laughs) Yes. I could think of the inverted Green Acres. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's good to know mm-hmm. <laughs> life skills mm-hmm. who who would like to go next um i mean i graduated Yay. so no more school for me Woo-hoo! and i'm glad i graduated this last year instead of this year because <laughs> everything's on fire yikes. Uh- <laughs> yikes, 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 yikes. yep and uh, that's and now I have a job. Thank thank goodness, because I don't want to do the job market anymore, either. Ever again. We. No. I'm glad. Never I, again. I'm glad I don't have to worry about it for two years. So, Brendan. Oh, we should be we should be done with the pandemic by then. Yeah, hopefully. Eighteen months. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Uh, I moved from Columbus, Ohio, where I was getting my PhD and finished that, moved, 
to Chicago, Illinois, started a new job, and I am very happy at my new institution. Although, again, we're all up in the air right now with the with the pandemic, so still happy to be at DePaul doing doing our best. Brendan, I'm sorry, it's really hard not to sound dark. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you're in a fort. Yeah. <laughs> Visually dark. Uh, I mean, I well, we did this podcast last. I already had a job, but I lived an hour from where I worked. And so the last two years, I've moved twice to get myself closer to work, but also into a city. So now I live in Dayton, Ohio, and I'm very happy to be here. Huzzah. Moving on up. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Um, well, so uh, we are basically going to be... Um, doing things a little bit differently when we release we'll release every two weeks but we're going to do it a season at a time and take uh take breaks in between seasons instead of just trying to maintain a constant um bi-weekly posting schedule and um uh we're going to uh, fingers crossed work on uh streamlining our episodes just a little bit uh and try to keep everything under an hour um and when we are only covering two Degrassi episodes per our podcast episode, we'll be trying to streamline it even a little bit further. Um, other updates that y'all can think of that we should put in here? Yeah. Okay. I don't think so. I just want to say I'm very excited to be back. Uh, we, uh, I have a colleague who has listened to all of our episodes and is in love with it and is very excited about the news that we will, that we are going to continue uh, this project. So FYI. (laughs) Perfect. Oh, yay. Mm -hmm. Our loyal fans. Our loyal fans. Um, But we're, we have a few. Yeah, we're so excited to be back and we hope that you will join us. Yay. Here, here. Queen. Today's episode seven and eight, uh, which is Shout Parts One and Two. Also, this week, uh, we want to give a trigger warning um, or content warning for um, we'll be discussing um, sexual assault this week. Okay, so I'm going to. Um, uh, Go ahead and and recap both episodes since they're a part one and part two. Um, So at the beginning of episode seven, shout part one, Spinner scores the winning goal in a soccer match against a visiting school and Paige is on the spirit squad and makes eyes at a cute boy on the other team. So Spinner, high on victory, asks Paige out for Saturday night and she tries to refuse and then agrees, um, citing, you know, that they're friends. But then she goes to the bus of the visiting team and, and talks to that cute boy, whose name is Dean, who invites her to a party on Saturday night. So Paige cancels with Spinner, saying that her grandma's in the hospital. Uh, but Spinner and Jimmy also end up at the party. So when Paige sees them, she asks Dean to go somewhere quieter. They go upstairs where he rapes her. At first, when Hazel asks about what happened, Paige implies that she had fun, but then she tells Hazel all about it. So Hazel basically has to to convince Paige that what Dean did was was raped her. Um, The B-plot of this is that Toby and JT get in a fight about their shared locker. It is totally out of balance with the A-plot and doesn't really matter. So then in episode eight, which is Shout Part Two, um, Paige is suffering from nightmares and other symptoms of PTSD. Uh, But Terry wants to reform uh, the band, the girl band PMS, to enter a contest. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. Uh, To enter a contest that could result in a record deal in LA. Paige says that Hazel can sing, but Terry's poem uh, that she offers as lyrics is not as good as Ashley's. So Paige asks Ashley to rejoin the group and to bring those lyrics um, because Paige says that she wants to sing about something that actually matters. So Ashley then like 
writes a song about rape, which she researched on the internet, but Paige doesn't want to perform it. And so they go back and forth on that. And then finally, when they do perform, Dean is there. And at first, Paige freezes. Uh, but then she gives this amazing riot girl performance uh, singing instead of <laughs> Ashley. Uh, and the B plot in this episode is that Liberty does her biography project uh, on JT. Uh, and she shows like a ton of like pictures of him and everyone is kind of laughing at him. Um, and so they, the two of them, Liberty and JT fight throughout the episode, culminating in Liberty angrily drawing in marker on JT's locker. Uh, he gets in trouble. And when it looks like he might get transferred to a private school, Liberty fesses up and then they make up and we can talk more about all of that, but that's, that's it. So I mean, obviously, the thing to, that is the big driver of these two episodes is the, is Paige's storyline um, with Dean. Where mm-hmm. where, yeah. where where do y'all want to start? Um, we probably shouldn't start with Ashley's hair. We'll probably get to that later. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be light of this. I episode. thought you were on Emma Hair Watch, not Ashley Hair Watch. I'm, I'm, oh, a, after this, I'm on Emma Hair Watch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, not to make light of this episode. I, I will say, so when I first watched this episode, when it came out, I was both surprised and very appreciative of the writing of how Paige uh, processes her sexual assault, mostly because it see, it felt like one of the more honest portrayals that people who have experienced forms of violence like this, especially sexual partner and power-based violence, um, go through in terms of stages of grief and denial, et cetera. So I always appreciated this episode. I'm not going to lie, watching it for the third time uh, the other day was pretty hard for me, and I'm guessing it was hard for a lot of people because it's the time that we get to see Paige truly humanized and um, and and really be a fleshed out female character, and that was that was really great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that I thought was really important and interesting watching it this time, as opposed to like back in the day when I wasn't paying attention as much to this detail, is that they do end the second part with. Page going to counseling, which is like in like 2002, counseling was not nearly as much of a conversation as it is now in the public sphere. And so the fact that they actually have her go to counseling in that episode, I think, was really uh, key for a totally. teen show. Totally. And we also get to see the flubbing up of her friends too. And we get to see how people who are um, in the closest circles of survivors, how they how they screw up in terms of processing and, and supporting their people too. And I really appreciated that. I also thought it was interesting that it ended with her going to the counselor and not like a law and ordery sort of her calling him out publicly. Like instead it's about her doing what she needs to do for herself. Like mm-hmm. the point of the episode is not that she like this episode could have been much more sensationalist in that she like publicly on stage said he did something, but the ending of her going to counseling could have ramifications for him. But the most important thing in both episodes is how does Paige feel? How does Paige deal with it? Not the sort of story of the week, sensational law and order SVU catching the bad guy like Dean's, less important ultimately than Paige's process. And also that both Hazel and Ashley, I mean, Ashley fucks up, but doesn't realize she's fucking up, but they both realize and then figure out what they need to do to go back to what Sonnet was saying and are just willing to listen. Even Mm -hmm. Ashley, when Ashley realizes how wrong she's gotten everything. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So I appreciated um, Hazel's discussion with Paige um, 
uh, toward the end of the first of these episodes. Um, There's there's an internalization that Paige has um, made of certain um, discourses about, like, slut-shaming discourses. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so she basically, Hazel says... Um, if you said no, that was rape. So she puts a very fine point on it and, and Paige pushes back and says, I, so like what I didn't dress like a slut. I didn't drink. I didn't come on to him and I didn't go upstairs with him. And so Hazel cuts through all of that and says, well, you said no. And like, that's the only thing that actually matters, even though Paige, like in her processing of it, um, thinks that it doesn't matter. And I think that it's really um, important, particularly for Paige, who has been um, sort of like written as this brash character who um, like is like very confident and like free with her opinions about other people to sort of to see that she has like internalized some of those things that like she very much has. At, at least we can imagine that like she would fling at other people. So like her working through her working through like her relationship with those kinds of um, slut shaming discourses is I think very, uh, very well handled in, in the episode. Mm-hmm. 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 And that it's her. Yeah. Like I think in terms of writing the choice to have it be her and not Ashley, Terry or the younger girls, mm-hmm. right. That she's the character that is presented as the most outwardly, adult and sexual, but that the episode is very clear that none of that, it's pedagogical purposes that none of that means any of this is her fault still. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty obvious to watch now, but it's still very powerful. Mm-hmm. And in that conversation with Hazel that you were mentioning, Tiffany, also when she talks about the way that she framed, like that she set up the scenario, she sees herself as having set it all up because she is so good at being the adult child she wants to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then there's very clearly a limit. I mean, I also thought, and I'll let someone else talk, but the other thing I thought is this is one of the episodes where the fact that they are so close to their real age is so beneficial Mm -hmm. because she looks so old compared to everyone else until she's unfortunately in the scene with the person who is much bigger and much older than her. Mm -hmm. And not that that makes it any like that it, you know, I'm not saying that if she was older looking would be okay, but that it really emphasizes the disconnect Mm -hmm. for adolescents between who they think they are in their head and who they really are. And I just thought about how, She's older than like Emma and the grade nines, but she's still figuring all this out too. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was really, I mean, it made it more heartbreaking even than it already was heartbreaking because she's so invested in being an adult until she realizes that just because she wants these things to happen doesn't mean they're going to happen the way they should. And that is like the shittiest part of all of it. Well, and the juxtaposition too there is it's also all of her, like her and Hazel's conversations and her and Ashley's conversations are also very adult conversations yeah. too. I mean, these are, yes, she does seem more childlike in that scene, but also, I mean, Hazel, Hazel is, I just wrote in my notes over and over again, Hazel's such a good friend. But yeah, me too. everything Hazel says, in a way, it's almost, unbelievable for her character to be that wise um which also makes me wonder like maybe there's some hazel backstory that hazel has learned and and acquired these um this discourse because of her own experiences with violence i mean we'll never see that in degrassi but in my imagination that could be why i mean we know that ashley's done her internet research (laughs) ashley is peak in that, in this, uh, I'll get to Ashley. <laughs> the other thing too, though, is even, and I wrote this in my notes as well, even though Ashley, uh, excuse me, even though Hazel does a good job um, kind of re- grounding Paige and, and dispelling all those myths around sexual violence and slut shaming, Hazel still does, uh, makes a couple of mistakes in terms of 
telling survi- telling a survivor that she was raped and and really writing that onto Paige versus letting Paige come to it herself. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things like when I was thinking about it and thinking about you know the the literature around and and just also through other means of acquiring this information um, from experience, just thinking about how that is also a common mistake that people do. And yet, you know, Paige still, Paige and Hazel were still able to, to support Paige, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Ashley thing in the second episode um, with this poem and the internet research, I thought it was interesting because it's obviously exasperating. Um, and it's, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting because it was, it was wrong, but it wasn't wrong. I don't know. I, I thought it was, a, in some ways, Hazel is so great to a point where some of what she says is very clearly the hand of a writer who's like, we need to make sure that the people watching this who are teenagers hear this dialogue. Ashley, in some ways, felt to me like the good, the well-meaning friend who's a little precocious, who fucks up, who's, I mean, I think I've been in this position before, both as a teenager and an adult, where like, I mistake my research for experience and those Mm -hmm. gets in the way of being able to talk to someone who's like, no, I'm talking about my experience and your research doesn't really matter, but I know Mm -hmm. you mean well, but you need to shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, I mean, what I liked about Ashley to her credit is as soon as she figures it out, she shuts up. Mm -hmm. It's too bad she had to get that far, but as soon as she, as soon as, as soon as Ashley or Paige is crying, she gets it immediately which also is interesting because it also suggests that there's perhaps more to Ashley's character that we don't quite grasp because she's kind of gone away for so many episodes and been in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, But I liked the juxtaposition of Hazel, who's the insider with Paige, Ashley, who's the outsider and the way that they bring Ashley back in to be this white lady feminist, but also (laughs) like, I wrote down research versus experience. Mm -hmm. I think part of that is also like a reminder to the audience that Ashley and Paige were best friends. Mm -hmm. So like Ashley does recognize like real Paige in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, do we want to talk up? Because I, the one thing I wondered about, and it just happens for a second is the the date that Ash or Paige is supposed to have with Spinner? Yeah, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. how I think that very much so at the end of the first episode, Spinner has a version of what he thinks happened that he heard about her having sex, consensual sex that she wanted to have with Dean, and he thinks that that's what happened, and they have this confrontation, and it's awful. Um, and I think obviously the episode wants us to see it as awful and we are with Paige in that moment a hundred percent. The only time I wondered if the, about the episode was when in the awful scene in the bedroom, it cuts to the outside and we see Spinner outside. And I wondered, I don't know, it made me wonder for a second if the episode was suggesting that this wouldn't have happened if she had made different choices the rest of the episode changed my mind about where the episode landed. But that one second, I was like, why do we have to see Spinner while this awful thing is happening? Mm. And that made me a little uncomfortable because, because Paige's choices had nothing to like, Paige should have been able to choose between two guys and have both situations be entirely on her terms Mm-hmm. I don't know, because the Spinner plot obviously ends up with him being an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if other people felt that way in that moment, but it made me a little uncomfortable. I honestly didn't notice Spinner outside the window. I was so sort of preoccupied with processing what was happening that I I didn't see it. and was hazel like like did they also see hazel or was it just jimmy and spinner or was it just spinner it was spinner and jimmy 
I think I thought of it only because they set up this thing earlier in the episode of like Spinner and Jimmy being there. I don't know. I think because I was trying to figure out. I was, I was, as it was happening, I was like, this is obviously an awful scene. And what are we, how are they balancing their desire to make us deal with this with the characters in a very real way, but also not sensationalize it, which I thought they did a good mm-hmm. job of doing. It was never, mm-hmm. nothing was sexualized about it. It was very uncomfortable. It was framed in a very power imbalance in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I guess that was, I think it was so undercut by that later scene with Spinner that then I was like, well, fuck Spinner. Um, <laughs> I think the way that I interpreted that moment is just like them showing her friends outside to mm-hmm. be like her friends yeah. are right there and mm-hmm. this still happens even though they're yeah. so mm-hmm. close. That makes yeah. sense. Same because also the audio that you hear it's it's pages screaming no yeah. mixed yeah. into a party audio. Yeah. And I was I mean I agree I was with Tiff, I mean, similarly to Tiffany, I was still pretty jarred about the screaming, and also I it it alludes to the next episode with the song and the lyrics in the song mm. that they're singing about because mm-hmm. they, they talk about it happens to everyone, um, and you say poor thing, nobody thinks mm-hmm. it's going to happen to me or something like mm-hmm. that. I'm summarizing, but it's that sort of like, well, everyone knows that date rape happens, but they don't actually they don't know that it's happening right mm-hmm. in front of them and they don't know that it's happening to them. Right. Like Paige didn't even know it was happening to her until she was to, until a few days later and she had time to sit with it and process it. Mm-hmm. Which reminds us that the episode's title is shout mm-hmm. right? uh, inspired by the song shout, but also <laughs> relevant thematically, of course. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and maybe um, Lady Gaga was inspired by PMS to make her song uh, for the hunting ground, <laughs> mm. uh, you know. Tell it happens to you. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I wish, I hope that Lady Gaga is a Degrassi fan. <laughs> I, I don't think she has a television, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Plot twist, Lady Gaga is binge-watching Degrassi right now. And then maybe finding our podcast. Hi, Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on the bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can we can we talk just a, another quick moment about the encounter in the hallway with Spinner? Um, mm-hmm. In in my notes, I have that was a hard it, slap <laughs> <laughs> because it does look like she hit him really hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't think that was a stunt. <laughs> Uh, so like, I think that, well, speaking of the slap, actually, uh, I, I did appreciate that, like, I mean, what Spinner says to her is awful and, and he deserves the slap in as much as anyone deserves a slap. But I mean, like he needs something to. Can you set up, can you set up that dialogue? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but can you set up that dialogue a little bit? Because I think the dialogue was really important. Yeah. So Spinner confronts Paige in the hallway after Jimmy says that like Paige hooked up with Dean at that party. And so uh, she tries to walk away from him and he grabs her arm she says not to touch her and he responds why everyone else has touched you or touched her. Um, and so then that is why she slaps him and she then goes into the girl's washroom um, so that he can't follow her. Um, and I guess that I wanted to talk a little bit about like the face acting that, that Spinner is doing or, you know, like Spinner's face in that moment after because he does look shamefaced and confused rather than uh, it, it, it. There's a way in which like his anger and frustration. And then like after being slapped could have been heightened. Like he could have been more angry, but instead like the response is confusion. So like, I like for me in that moment, like I think that like it said something about, um, he understand he understands Paige well enough to know that like she would not have hit him unless he had done something very bad, and um, 
Mm-hmm. And so I, I appreciated like his sort of like facial, like I, I don't, I'm not like, I am not on board with what leads up to it um, for sure. And he is, he is being an asshole in that moment when he grabs her and says what he says. Uh, but I did appreciate mm-hmm. that like his response was not to go to anger, but to like, it seems like it's going to be a, a moment for him to sort of like reflect upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Spinner's role often seems to be confused. For sure. <laughs> but in a way that if you give him information, he'll change his yeah, mind. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that doesn't justify his lack of information in that moment. But I think that he is like, Jimmy is a lot smarter than him in a lot of ways. But Jimmy, and like, what I thought was interesting in the episode is Jimmy's trying to be a good friend to Spinner. Jimmy doesn't tell him the thing about Paige spitefully against Paige. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to say, hey, man. Protect yourself. I think you protect yourself. Maybe you should just back off of Paige. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to be, like, it wasn't, it was interesting to me. He wasn't trying to be spiteful. Right. He wasn't like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, man, Paige blew you off. And she's, She's like, he doesn't use any of the slut shaming language. Mm-hmm. Then Spinner gets upset. And then I think that, interestingly, both of these episodes are very much about the women. So, right, like, mm-hmm. we don't need Spinner to have things explained to right. him. Mm-hmm. I think the bulk of what we're going to get, like you said, is that expression on his face where he's like, well, fuck, maybe I fucked up mm-hmm. and I'll process that. But this episode is not about these men processing this thing that they did. This is about these women processing together um, or girls or teens processing together. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting mm-hmm. too, because I hate what he does, but I like that it isn't like, mean he's not being mean intentionally he's being mean in a shitty way which is just as bad well mm-hmm. and i and i think mm-hmm. like it's interesting to think maybe about spinner and ashley together in these two episodes because they're both the sort of um um uh, unknowing but then ultimately teachable uh figure and and so like mm-hmm. there's there's a lot in in the series that is very invested not just in the lesson but in being teachable and and sort of like modeling Mm -hmm. that um uh receptiveness um and 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 openness to being uh corrected Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i have a question when so i agree shane kippel the actor that plays spinner did a great job doing that scene with especially with his nonverbal um acting but when he's thinking about and reflecting on his interactions with Paige do you think he's also thinking about the fact that he touched her um or is he just thinking about the slap because I was I was when I was watching this I was like oh so Spinner is the example of you can't touch a girl just because you think that she's a slut as well like how much is he thinking about her asking excuse me how much is he thinking about Paige asking him not to touch her versus Paige slapping him I think that's a good question I mean I yeah I don't know I mean I I could in my mind imagining another scene with him and Jimmy I could see that I could see a scene where he thinks it's about what he said and Jimmy says well what did you do Mm -hmm. and he says well I tried to get her to stop leaving and Jimmy would say, well, how did you get it? I mean, because <laughs> Jimmy's role in their friendship when they're separate from the girls is often to be the one to sort of walk Spinner through a series of things he did and make him. So I could see mm-hmm. Spinner getting there mm-hmm. and Jimmy sort of pulling him along. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he would. And I do think that that was one of the more, uh, artful ways of also depicting some of the sort of PTSD or Trump, like sort of trauma response mm-hmm. in that it's both bad because in general you shouldn't touch a person without their bodily consent, but it's further sort of, I think within this 
frame, it seems very much like one of the sort of quote unquote classic signs of sort of this sort of bodily trauma of like, mm -hmm. I don't want you to enter my space without asking me to. And then that comes so close to the end and the second episode begins with that nightmare really amplifies the sort of internalization. Um, mm -hmm. I think thinking about the men, I think it's interesting that, I mean, I think we don't really need to talk about the B plot in episode seven. It's really, I think there to be as light as possible it's mm -hmm. also only about the, the younger boys. The girls are very unrelated to it so that the A plot can be just about the girls. And there's no like Emma, man, like there's no other. I thought it was interesting that in the second episode, the B plot is about a kind of male, female friendship, sparring thing between Liberty and JT that is about who deserves respect. Mm -hmm. It's a much more low key version of it, but it is really about boys not understanding that maybe women or girls are deserving of respect or something. There seems to be that mm -hmm. lighter message, but that was, mm -hmm. I mean, my, question about that was are we going to get more liberty jt like that was what i wrote down at the end of that episode was that that seemed to set the stage for more of that situation um because it's interestingly gendered right mm -hmm. like she calls him a little man when he insults her in the hallway so mm -hmm. she does this presentation with all these pictures of jt they're a little bit uncomfortable, but they're also very in line with the kind of humor he would usually use. Mm -hmm. The class is on her side, Liberty's side. And then he confronts her afterwards while everyone is giving her props and sort of tries to cut her down and everyone clearly turns against him. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was interesting that this much lighter shaming back and forth is happening while the much more complicated story is happening with them. Um, Page, Ashley, Hazel. Well, I, I think that it's an mm -hmm. interesting uh, thing about boundaries in a friendship or a budding friendship and like what's appropriate and what's not appropriate to say and to whom and to like how broad of an audience. Jacinta, I, I didn't mean to mm -hmm. cut you off, Jacinta. No, you're fine. I was just going to say like, I also think both these episodes back to back, I mean, really sort of show us some of the various sides of JT because JT is a goof and he's gross and terrible in some ways, but also <laughs> can be kind of adorable with Liberty. So like he has, he has some multifaceted development going on in these couple of episodes. And obviously his friendship with Toby is very important. But they're also like 13 <laughs> so they're goofy and having silly fights about their locker space and so like that I think both of those together help us to understand JT a little bit more because I mean previously like we've really gotten to know like Emma and Manny um a lot from the seventh grade group um and I think now we're getting more into some of who JT is um, in those two episodes. Yeah, and after the sort of, because uh, it was only, a, it's been a while, clearly, but it's it's like, a, oh, it's only a couple episodes that it comes out that J Liberty has a crush on JT, right? So, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. then at the end, I, like, at the end of the episode, or this arc, um, when they've kind of made up, uh, JT, like, is saying goodbye but he like it looks like he's leaning in for a kiss and says goodbye and then like walks away but turns around and like winks at her and so yeah, yeah. so oh, yeah. so like whatever this friendship is there's also now this like flirty element on top of everything and i wonder if some of what that sort of uh is about is like like Liberty has kind of like stepped up and shown that she is willing to like tease him in the way that he teases so many other people. 
and she calls it an she calls it an homage. She's you know he's like you made fun of me, <laughs> and she's like no, it's me. and she says it. She says homage. It's an homage. <laughs> so I I don't know I I liked the little uh, I liked the dynamic of of that and me too. Yeah. Me too. Mm-hmm. I do have one thing, <laughs> not to be. Not to be a feminist killjoy here. Oh, no. I'm sorry, but the other thing about JT, especially in the second episode, he's going to do his autobiography or his biography oh, yeah. on Hugh Hefner. Like JT is super culturey, like, but we get we shrug him off because honestly, I think because people, I think he's a little emasculated in the show, and people don't see him as threatening. So like. JT, it's not just that he's problematic, but JT is also drinking that slut-shamey Kool-Aid. And Mm -hmm. I feel like the show is going to start leaning on the women of the show. And they have, too, historically, to teach JT. And I kind of want JT to just fucking learn and shut the fuck up. Because I think Mm -hmm. JT gets a lot of passes because he's scrawny, because he's a goofball. Um, but he's, I mean, if we took the language that JT uses in terms of hypersexualizing his girl classmates in comparison to Spinner, JT is much more. Oh, regretted. yeah, he totally reads. He, he yeah. reads like an incel, like before that is language that and and uh, so I, I guess that like part of why I appreciated where it sort of landed is like, I am interested to see how as JT develops a friendship with a, a girl, uh, like how he might grow as a person, hopefully, fingers crossed. I think the show also just like, like one can imagine a dispersion of immature uh masculine thoughts about girls um, throughout a group of boys, but the show, like, heaps a lot of them into JT specifically, as opposed to a lot of the other boys. So I think in some ways he's just a little bit of a character of that, too, um, because they're not necessarily giving all the other boys all of this stuff as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he's a creep, but I also think he's a creep partially because, yeah, he's... Having been a tween and teen boy, <laughs> all of those boys would be saying not everything JT says, but versions of it in passing and not realizing it. And that doesn't excuse it. And I'm not saying it isn't harmful, but I think the sort of casualization of that would be more widespread. Mm-hmm. And I think in this show, if Spinner's role is to be the one who doesn't get it but can be taught, JT's role is to be the one who says it but is made the quote-unquote least threatening so far because he's the tiniest person, like, boy, mm-hmm. right? Um, I also think the fact that it's Liberty that he enters into this sort of complicated friendship with and not Emma and Manny who get reserved for a different sort of plot is also interesting. Mm-hmm. I do think there's a way that one of my other things was like, I assume that we have an Emma and Manny plot coming because Emma and Manny plots tend to be more explicitly relationship oriented. Mm-hmm. JT and Liberty plots tend to be this sort of slapstick, can't take it seriously, even though they're all the same age, they're like mm-hmm. arrested a little bit behind. JT, because mm-hmm. he's a creep. Liberty, because she's written as like, the nerd, mm-hmm. less femme, but more some in some ways often more interesting, mm-hmm. especially than Emma. Definitely more interesting. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean the last. Uh, this is uh, in lighter questions that are unrelated to the storyline. Before we finish up, can you develop polyps that fast? Because Hazel develops polyps. Well, can this I can answer this question because I've had them. Okay. Um, so for those of you on the show or that listen to the show that don't know, my mom is a retired singer. My sister's a professional opera singer. I once was a singer. Um, 
you don't just develop polyps overnight, but you do, basically it's like any sort of callus or muscle sprain. Um, it's just from doing poor, basically singing poorly without a lot of support. And what probably happened more likely is that her nodes just got worse because she was using her voice in, in an inappropriate <laughs> way. Um, so like, think of it like any other muscle. Let's say you have a, a bum ankle, like an Achilles injury, that's just always bad. And then you go and run a marathon, then you're not gonna be able to walk the next day. Her voice was basically running a marathon, trying to sing. And honestly, like, thank God, cause her voice was so, I mean, ugh, nails on a- You didn't like her amazing grace? Oh, oh, that reminded me so much of like school programs and church. Yeah. And I was her very little on brand. Tremolo, yeah. like, so, <laughs> yeah. So I did. I did like her. I did like her neck scarf, though. Once yeah. She lost her voice. Just so we knew. She got a hickey. Well, that's a good transition (laughs) into our favorite things for this, uh, these two episodes. Uh, So uh, what are your favorite things, y'all? I have two that I wrote down. Um, The first thing, uh, in the day after scene, Paige is wearing these wedge sandals. um, And I made a note because... I got an ad about those very type of sandals um, in my Instagram. It wasn't a no, it was an ad um, about those wedge sandals because Steve Madden is reissuing those sandals for summer wow. 2020. So I was like, they're back. Oh, I hated those sandals. Um, we'll post a picture on the Instagram so fans can see these god awful wedge sandals. They're like black, they're terrible. Um, and then the other thing, um, also from the first episode, so I was watching the Shout series with my partner, and <laughs> Mr. Radich is talking to JT and Toby about how to cohabitate and how to share a locker. And he, he said, what are the three C's? And it's co- co- cohabitation requires coordinated cooperation. And my girlfriend leaned over and she's like, yeah, babe, you need to put those on the wall. <laughs> yes. Perfect. So that's our new mantra. Cohabitation requires coordinated cooperation. Oh, man. Life lessons. Life lessons. Um, so I think in a previous episode, I already talked about my appreciation for Paige's blue sunglasses. So just that remains here as well. They they make appearances in these episodes. Um, but actually, my two favorite things from these episodes are both Paige lines, um, because Paige often gets great lines. Um, that's a, a series consistent uh, phenomenon. Uh, so the first one in 207 um, is, that's a double negative. You are a double negative. <laughs> <laughs> which she says um, and you were raining on my parade and you were raining um, on my second, parade <laughs> <laughs> and then the second one is in 208 which she says I'm not mean I'm right mm-hmm. which is like very perfect page branding big Capricorn energy right there <laughs> yeah I mean so like super quick I, like mine is more of a question than a favorite thing but like in 2002, apparently, like, the term man cave already existed. I don't remember it from then, but, like, JT calls the locker space <laughs> their man their man cave, and I, oh, yeah. I was just so confused. Uh, and then, mm-hmm. um, but my actual favorite thing is, of course, the fucking riot girl awesomeness that happens um, uh, when uh, Paige performs the song. It's, it's like, it is my high school uh so uh i very (laughs) i very much appreciated (laughs) that yes yes i well i have two things one is also a page line it's when terry reads her poem and then she sits down and Paige says um it was sweet in a rhyming dictionary sort of way (laughs) Which Terry doesn't seem to understand is like so So many levels of shade. Mm -hmm. Uh, And my other was just, so this is before we know Dean is awful. 
when they're flirting and he's flirting out the window to her and he says let me guess you're a cheerleader and she's in the cheerleading costume (laughs) i'm sorry she goes it's spirit squad i was like is is ed are either of you this dumb is it supposed to be flirting i was like he's I mean, ultimately, I think the other good thing about Dean is that he's neither, like, wonderful nor, like, pure evil. He's just dumb and also awful. Like, he does Mm -hmm. awful things. But even before we know who he's going to be, that flirt, I was just like, this woman is so much smarter than you. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. And I think, um, and I mean, this is something we can talk about more going forward um in terms of like flirting because as far as i can tell in like dean dean's flirting is gross (laughs) in general i would like one of his lines sorry go ahead all all of the boys and everybody else who flirts might not be taken as seriously or as manly or adult or whatever as dean but they're much more like not smarmy yep. <laughs> um uh, and his is which is just like talking like, the color of her eyes but like the look on his face is gross it's just all bad oh yeah he bad. Says, you have the most amazing <laughs> colored eyes i've ever seen <laughs> and amelia and i groaned audibly that's the right response <laughs> like, yes oh. God. All right, predictions, a new segment right at yeah. the end. Any predictions for the future? As a reminder, neither Brendan nor I have uh, watched Degrassi before. Uh, so we decided that it might be fun to to give us both predictions. Uh, what was yours again, Brendan, super quick? I had two. One was more liberty, because this is the second time we've gotten an episode that really gives us liberty. So I've more liberty and or something coming out of this liberty jt friendship the other was just a sort of narrative thing like i was like an emma or manny episode is coming because they're so unnecessary to these two episodes and the way this show balances itself just like it's been too long there has to be yeah those are, they're not that exciting. Mine was Liberty mine. and JT related. I'm interested. I mean, I think, like, I don't know that I'm predicting necessarily a romantic uh, sort of uh, relationship, but uh, I, I just generally am interested to see where they're going. You can find us on Twitter at That Bleeping Pod and on Facebook and Instagram at That Bleeping Podcast. Listen to and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, amongst other places that grab podcasts out of the ether. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It'll help other fellow Degrassi nerds find our shenanigans. Shout out to Chris Robley for the use of his song Anonymous off his fifth solo album, The Great Make Believer, as our new theme music. Learn more about Chris and his music at chrisrobley.com, that's R-O-B-L-E-Y, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter at chrisrobley. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon. Look for another episode from us in a couple weeks.